Welcome to Music Mondays with Colin Can Help. My name is Colin, and let me tell you a little bit about today's show. Today we talk to Jeremiah Craig. Jeremiah is a world traveler, marketer, and most importantly, the musician of the day. He's a folk singer, songwriter, and break room balladeer. Uh, we go into a little bit of all of that and a lot more. Uh, we were able to get this episode recorded despite two cutoffs. Technology didn't want it to happen, but we made it happen anyways, so check it out. What's hey, going on, on, Jeremiah? Nothing much. There we How's go. How's it going? Here, yeah. What's going on, buddy? I, was, I had to stop listening to your uh, new album so that I could talk to you about your new album and things. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you taking a listen, man. No problem, man. You know I'm always checking out your stuff. It's the, the only uh, folk player that gets constant uh, r- routine plays on my iTunes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, I know a lot about you, but for the people that don't know about you, let's get a little bit of your uh, early background. Uh, what got you into music? How long you've been doing music? All those fun type of things. Yeah, that sounds great. So I've been doing music for about, I guess, 15 years or so. I started playing the banjo when I was 16. But before that, I was singing a lot. I mean, my dad would play music all the time. And I would sing around the campfire or in the house and just walking around the property or whatever. and then when I started playing the banjo, uh, I really started getting into folk music and bluegrass, especially. Uh, and I had a, uh, a, a bluegrass band in high school. And <clears throat> that, was, that was super fun because we got a whole bunch of people together from like the jazz band and just the orchestra of the school. It, anybody could come. So there was like tuba players of viola players, French horn, and we just all jam on all these bluegrass songs. And it was, it was a ton of fun. And it got me into thinking about different ways that you could play music. And then I started playing the guitar when I was in college uh, and writing songs then too. And when I was at the Rochester Institute of Technology, I started a band with uh, both of our friends, uh, Daryl Brown and legendary that, saxophone player Daryl Brown legendary saxophone player so once we started that band uh, it just it just grew from there like my love of music increased exponentially with every show uh, we we grew the band uh, into a six piece uh, with drums, bass, keys, trumpet, him on sax, me on guitar. It was, it was incredible. Um, <clears throat> so we recorded a couple of albums. And then in 2011, everybody went their own ways after we all graduated college. And I came out with my first solo album. And I've been releasing music every year since then under uh, my own solo projects. And have you ever, I know that you do a good job of doing all your own production and everything like that. Have you ever thought about trying to get uh, one of the major labels or do you like having the full creativity of being your own, uh, own artist? How does that, how does that work for you? Yeah, I, I'm totally cool with doing this completely independent 
Uh, I prefer it, I think, because we were approached as Jack Swift Band during our 2009 tour by a label in Toronto. And we spent a lot of time with the back and forth. It, 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 it just seemed unnecessary. I didn't know why we would do something like that. We didn't get very much from it. We had already recorded two albums. So it didn't make sense for us to go and make that investment in time and money and to give away rights to our songs when we were just doing it anyways. Right. So, I mean, and it's get, gotten even easier since then to do it yourself. Uh, that was 10 years ago, and the internet was still a powerful thing then, but now it's even more powerful. I don't really see a reason to do any of that unless the deal is ridiculous in my favor. Right. Um, like 10 uh, years ago, that would have been what? You guys would have been doing what? MySpace for your music then? We did MySpace, a lot of Facebook and we also did a blog, too. It's, it's always funny to think, too, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like that long. It's only two or three blinks, but you're like, wait a minute. that I, iTunes really wasn't a thing back then. Podcasting didn't even exist back then. You know, like all those crazy things that have happened, like you said, that have made it so much more accessible to get your own platform and really not need that extra budget from a media company because you could be your own media company. Exactly, exactly. And the iPhone had just come out. I remember. Yo. All right, we are back after a little bit of commercial slash technical difficulties. <laughs> I've never had that happen before. I don't know. Uh, we just dropped the call for some reason. But uh, you were telling us about um, the iPhone had just come out, your tour and everything in college. Um, you want to continue from there? Yeah, uh, it's just so much easier to do it now uh, with, with everything that we have at our fingertips. I mean, we're using an app right now to, to make that happen. So uh, I love trying to get my music out there through several different types of content, whether it be video, you know, the podcast, uh, written, and then also trying to uh, get, get, get out there through social media as well. So it's, it's, it's been made super easy for anybody to do anything. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, you're the one that actually told me about Anchor when I first was uh, talking to you about wanting to get into doing podcasting and everything like that. And it's funny too, you know, we get so mad at a quick technical glitch or, you know, if the audio kind of goes in or out, but you kind of forget that we're having a live conversation from what, 3000 miles away for free. You know, it's an amazing <laughs> platform that they give you. And then on top of that, how um, Anchor in itself gives you the ability to monetize your, uh, your audience way better than a lot of other um, similar type of streams. So it kind of gives somebody the, you know, the ability to like you said, you don't have to rely on the big company or a big production budget anymore. You can kind of start slow and get your format right and just keep on pushing under your own accord. Yeah, and it puts us all on the same playing field. Everybody is on a, a level playing field. I mean, sure, Justin Timberlake has way more at his disposal, but we're all using the same channels. Anchor was just purchased yesterday by Spotify, 
So now Spotify owns this app and I am super excited to see what they do with it. Uh, oh yeah, because, the integrations in that are going to be insane. Yeah, it's, and they were one of the first to accept the podcast from Anchor uh, and, and have them be freely distributed through their platform. Uh, I, I am very interested to see where they'll take it, especially as the technology with Alexa and Google Home, these voice assistants, starts getting more popular and the integration with those as well. And we mentioned Anchor, Spotify, all the other iTunes. As a musician, what is your favorite platform to use? I like, oh, geez. Not, not, not uh, just for podcasting, but as far as distribution, ease of use, um, amount of, serv- amount of um, bang for your non-buck or little buck, whatever it is, how that goes. What, what, what do you like to use for your music, for your podcast, all of the above? I, I really don't care. <laughs> which which one it is i just like to put out my content on all of them um because i i don't want to keep people using the apps that they're most comfortable with so basically i just want to make sure i'm on the platforms where people are Uh, i don't i don't want to make any barriers to my music or to my content and you mentioned the word content. Not only are you a musician, but uh, you also do a bit of marketing, content creation, um, all sorts of things in that realm. I don't know if anybody else has uh, seen your Breaking Balladeers. You have a couple YouTube segments. Um, what can you tell us about your experiences uh, with all the videography and YouTube experience? I, I've been really getting into YouTube. In fact, last year at this time, I was very much interested in Anchor. And I was podcasting every single day. Now, at this time, I have sort of fallen off the bandwagon of podcasting for a little bit. And I've been YouTubing pretty much every day or trying to. And at the this past year, the Break Rebelladeer episodes uh, were a blast to make. I would go to different businesses, small businesses, maybe even medium sized businesses like porch. And I would interview them about their business and then play a song that was inspired by the industry or the business itself. So I got new material out of it. And I was also able to collaborate with businesses in a creative way uh, that we could both benefit from. And I thought that it was sort of a weird thing to try at first, but the response has been really good. And I've learned a lot, not only about video editing and making content, but also about how people run businesses and how they pursue their passions. One thing that I've noticed that I've been talking about recently with some people online is that there is no one way to success. Everybody has their own path, their own unique path to their own success. So in order to find your happiness or your success, you really have to just count on your own, uh, your own path. You can't model after somebody else because you're different. And that difference makes a, makes a huge deal when it comes to your own success. So uh, it's really made me look at my own pursuit 
of a life in music much more broad and much more realistic uh, to chill and just keep doing my own thing. Yeah, and you're doing a fantastic job. Wasn't it the uh, Break Room Balladeer? Isn't that where um, Winter, one, not Winter, uh, Let's Find a Wonderland, isn't that where that song came out of? Yes, yeah, that was with that was Wonderland the- Gear Exchange. And that was for like a, a consignment uh, used like hiking type equipment store, right? Yeah, all the outdoor stuff. So they got skiing gear, they got hiking gear, they got climbing gear, and it's all uh, just slightly used stuff. So out of just hanging out, you know, walking by, most people would just pass by a thrift store. You know, they might go in and kind of take a look at it. But you decided, you know what, I'm going to stop in. I'm going to talk to the owner, whether you did it on social media. But you made the connection and then actually made a a usage for your music and a passage. And in my opinion, one of your better songs you've ever made is about a use is about a used clothing store. Yeah. Like, and that's where like, it's crazy where you would never, if you didn't know the context of where the song came from, you'd be like, damn, this is great. This is like every person that's ever gone camping, backpacking relates to it. But yet it came, the inspiration came from a thrift store, you know? So like, that's where I find the amazement and and the reasons of why I want to bring more people like you in, two things like this is to show people that there's really no reason to have excuses for why you're not succeeding. There's like you said, there's so many platforms you could access for free. And if you're a really a truly creative person, why do like you said, why do you need a major label to produce your stuff when you could just go and make a great song out of hanging out with a thrift store for a day or going and talking with uh, like you went back home and were able to make a, a video out of traveling back to see the family. Like, you're using your skills and what you love to live life. And that's what more people I think should be doing. Yeah, for real. And it would be so difficult for an artist of a major label to go and just do something like break room balladeer. They'd have to go and sit with their management and you'd have to go up the ladder and it might be six months before they even are able to do an episode and then they would do one episode. And if it didn't get 30,000 views, then they wouldn't do another one. So it's, it's not, it's not conducive to actually finding new creative things. And that's, what's so beautiful about the internet. And I feel like the internet gets a lot of bad rap, especially with data usage right now, but really it's, all just a really beautiful thing like i can use the data that facebook gives me and purchase the ability to you know buy ads and reach an entirely new audience and that's exactly what i did with the break room balladeer episodes is i bought facebook ads and then targeted people who would be interested in those industries so for example for the Wonderland Gear Exchange episode, I targeted people who hike in Seattle or who camp in Seattle or around Washington State. And it, it got several more views than it would have if I didn't do that. So all of my Break Room Balladeer episodes for the past uh, five, six episodes have gone over 1,000 views uh, at least sometimes over 3000 just because I spent 10 to $12 on ads when otherwise they would have gotten, I don't know, maybe 300 views. So it's a, it's a great use of time and money. 
because it's basically nothing and I'm reaching out to thousands of new people. Yeah, it's so many people complain, oh, Facebook sucks or they're making it so hard for people to see my posts, but you're not paying anything for it. You know, like that kills me how many people I talk to. Oh, well, only 4% of my people are seeing the post. Well, did you, you know, boost it or promote it or get it to a new audience? Well, no. Well, what did you expect? It was free. <laughs> you know, just take the time to learn how to manipulate the ad system. And it's under underpriced attention. attention. Without so a doubt. It's one of those. Um, <laughs> when you were in Rochester, what did you study? Were you, did you go to Rochester for business or what did you go, go to Rochester for? Yeah, I went to... Rochester Institute of Technology for Communications, Advertising, and Public Relations. I just want to hit one other thing on that Facebook ads. Uh, I spent $4 to make an ad for my, uh, my dad's Break Room Balladeer episode, which was a fabrication company. And uh, that $4 led to him getting a $100 sale. That's and, fantastic. Yeah, it's it's incredible what you can achieve with Facebook. Yeah. And they don't teach it. See, and that's that's what I was trying to get at with. I, I I knew that you went to a school that was known for business, and everybody that I know that's gone there's you know come out with a business degree. But I wasn't sure. I wanted to ask your opinion on you've gone to the prestigious college for business, and you've also been into business for yourself as a musician, marketer, content, all of the above. What what? do you think people should be focusing on um, even while they're still in college as far as self-learning? Is there a particular set of websites you go to? Is How, how do you learn all these new skills? Um, you know, how, you're teaching yourself about Facebook marketing. You're teaching yourself about all the new video editing you're doing. What, do, what are your thoughts and advice for others that are trying to teach themselves how to do it all by themselves? Just try, I guess. Exactly. Uh he hit it on the head. He, I didn't even need to snowball the question. Just try. Just start and just fail and do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I lucked out because uh, my, my mom works at RIT as a sign language interpreter. and She's worked there. She put in so many years. Uh, I think we're coming up on her 30th year working there. And when she started, we were just kids, me and my brother. But plan was for her to start working there so that in the future my brother and I could go to school tuition free so we really looked out with that and uh, I was able to come away with the base marketing ideas and then apply them to the digital world because they weren't teaching that they may be now um, but then when I had those base ideas I was able to go to the workplace and uh, implement them in a new way and, and just learn by trying. Um, if I wanted to do something, I would just try it. Like I didn't take any graphic design classes. I would event I eventually learned how to, uh, you know, use Photoshop. Uh, I didn't take any video editing classes. I learned how to uh, use.
yeah, I wanted to release two songs a month uh, all year long. Uh, and it was easy because part of that was releasing a, a Jack Swift band album that we never released before. So that was about eight months worth of songs right there uh, of, of one song a month. And then I would release one of my own songs per month. And then towards the end of the year, I tried to do two. Uh, and it was a really cool experience trying to get one song a month. And it was a nice exercise in seeing how simple it can be to create an album uh, out of uh, just doing one, one song uh, a month. And it, it was also really cool because I had continuous promotion. I was able to promote one song at a time as a single rather than an entire album. And then at the end of the year, I could then promote the entire album as well. So it, it was nice to stay in front of people that way. And I was able to get more content out of it as well. It was, it was really cool. I have this thing where I try a whole bunch of different things on albums every year. Like uh, in 2017, I, my thing was, can I write and record an album in one weekend from scratch? And I did that. And then I was like, okay, what do I do now? And then I went the other way in 2018. I was like, can I make an album by releasing a really produced, awesome song a month? And I did that. And I was thinking about trying to take that to the next level this year and doing collaborations with it. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm, I'm thinking about what my next project is going to be. And I'm sort of leaning towards uh, I'm sort of leaning towards recording a, an album all the way through of work, just acoustic solo um, in one sitting, but having sessions like uh, on Monday, I'll do the whole thing. On Tuesday, I'll do it again on Wednesday and so on. And throughout the week and then going through and picking the best cuts or picking the best day and using that as an album. I think that might be cool because then people can go back and listen to other versions uh, because I'll be recording the whole thing at the same time. Like I'll put it on Twitch or something. Um, and, and then I think it would be something that people can go more in depth on to see the process. Um, but I'm still working that out. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that I do to keep my interest in recording music. If I, if I do something the same all the time, I get really bored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I look up to, uh, I look up to currency for doing a similar thing. 
Uh, I mean, the amount of music that he releases is ridiculous. I think like last year he had eight albums worth of stuff and he just he'll just get on and freestyle and release a mixtape whenever he wants. I think that's really cool. And to be able to create music in a whole bunch of different ways uh, really keeps you sharp. And I think it um, helps you get better. Uh, I know that there are bands out there who just constantly write music and then they go into the studio and say, okay, these are the songs that we can do and pick from all the music they have. Uh, Old Crow Medicine Show is one of those bands that they're always writing. So when it's time to make an album, they just pick the songs. Uh, But I like to approach it different ways uh every every time i do something it's just it's just keeps things interesting for me exactly Yep, it came out on December 14th. So it's on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Bandcamp, uh, jeremiahcraig.com. It's everywhere. Uh, There's 10 songs on it. So I chose my favorites that I released throughout the year. I believe there are three songs that are from the Break Room Balladeer series uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, One being Precision Meets Passion and then The Connector and... I grew up on game and there's other break room balladeer songs, but I just really liked those ones. So I felt like they fit very well on the album. And like, like I said, it's, it can be found on Spotify, uh, stream it as much as you want. If you have a title account, I get paid the most from title. So definitely stream it there. (laughs) Well, it's expensive. It's expensive. Uh, it's it's the most expensive streaming platform, and that's because of the quality. But I'm not sure people really want that quality uh, because it takes up a lot of data, and it's not really necessary because people usually listen to music in just regular earbuds or AirPods. So I don't I don't see them sticking around for very much longer unless they figure out something else out. But Spotify is always a good option. I love Spotify. I think they are incredible. Thanks, Colin. I appreciate it. Peace. All right, we are back with the final segment of Jeremiah Craig's interview. Uh, we've talked about promotion. We've talked about learning. We've talked about everything except some very important things, being he has a new project out 
I got uh, sidetracked listening to it uh, when I was supposed to call him for the interview today. Um, tell us about that. It was a year-long process. You put out some songs individually and then kind of wrapped them all together um, into a full CD. Is that right? Yeah, I wanted to release two songs a month uh, all year long, uh, and it was easy because part of that was releasing a, a Jack Swift band album that we never released before. So that was about eight months worth of songs right there uh, of, of one song a month. And then I would release one of my own songs per month. And then towards the end of the year, I tried to do two. Uh, and it was a really cool experience trying to get one song a month. And it was a nice exercise in seeing how simple it can be to create an album uh, out of uh, just doing one, one song uh, a month. And it, it was also really cool because I had continuous promotion. I was able to promote one song at a time as a single rather than an entire album. And then at the end of the year, I could then promote the entire album as well. So it, it was nice to stay in front of people that way. And I was able to get more content out of it as well. It was, it was really cool. I have this thing where I try a whole bunch of different things on albums every year. Like uh, in 2017, I, my thing was, can I write and record an album in one weekend from scratch? And I did that. And then I was like, okay, what do I do now? And then I went the other way in 2018. I was like, can I make an album by releasing a really produced awesome song a month? And I did that. And I was thinking about trying to take that to the next level this year and doing collaborations with it. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm, I'm thinking about what my next project is going to be. And I'm sort of leaning towards uh, I'm sort of leaning towards recording a, an album all the way through of work, just acoustic solo um, in one sitting, but having sessions like uh, on Monday, I'll do the whole thing on Tuesday. I'll do it again on Wednesday and so on and throughout the week and then going through and picking the best cuts or picking the best day and using that as an album. I think that might be cool because then people can go back and listen to other versions uh, because I'll be recording the whole thing at the same time. Like I'll put it on Twitch or something. Right. Um, and, and then I think it will be something that people can go more in depth on to see the process. Um, but I'm still working that out. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that I do to keep my interest in recording music. If I, if I do something the same all the time, I get really bored. Exactly. It sounds like uh, kind of like um, in the hip hop world, the, uh, I don't know if you know, Mac lethal. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a lot like him. You know, it's one of those, like the guys never really put, I think he has two CDs out of the 5,000 songs he creates, but like he'll create a crazy song about coffee or pizza or an alphabet or, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. just to keep, keep that creative vibe going. But then as the consumer on my end, I'm like, Oh, well, this isn't, you know, my favorite work, but I, I can get behind. Once you know the journey of the, you're, you're not listening to that polished, polished thing. You're, you're not listening for that. You're listening for the journey of, Oh, he did this every day for a week. And this is what came of it all in one take. You're like, wow, 
he did this in one take. That's crazy. You know, like that type of thing. It keeps it's it's not even a gimmick. It's just the create creative outlet that nobody really does. Exactly. I <laughs> I look up to uh, I look up to currency for doing a similar thing. Uh, I mean, the amount of music that he releases is ridiculous. Right. I think like last year he had eight albums worth of stuff and he just he'll just get on and freestyle and release a mixtape whenever he wants. I think that's really cool. And to be able to create music in a whole bunch of different ways uh, really keeps you sharp. And I think it um, helps you get better. Uh, I know that there are bands out there who just constantly write music and then they go into the studio and say, okay, these are the songs that we can do and pick from all the music they have. Uh, Old Crow Medicine Show is one of those bands that they're always writing. So when it's time to make an album, they just pick the songs. Uh, but I like to approach it different ways uh, every, every time I do something. It's just, it's just keeps things interesting for me. Yeah, the same too. Like I think of it as if I'm going to buy something, yeah, it's nice to kind of know what you're getting. But at the same time, if you're putting out music for 10, 15, 20 years, you don't want to buy the same thing every year. You know, exactly. It, it, any, any music person that's a decent human being is growing a, as the year progresses as well. So why would they want to listen to the same thing they were listening to four years ago? So you're definitely onto something. So with the new album, when does that come out? Is that already out? Yep, it came out on December 14th. So it's on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Bandcamp, uh, JeremiahCraig.com. It's everywhere. Uh, there's 10 songs on it. So I chose my favorites that I released throughout the year. I believe there are three songs that are from the Break Room Balladeer series uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, one being Precision Meets Passion and then The Connector and... I grew up on game and there's other break room balladeer songs, but I just really liked those ones. So I felt like they fit very well on the album. And like, like I said, it's, it can be found on Spotify, uh, stream it as much as you want. If you have a title account, I get paid the most from title. So definitely stream it title. there. Everybody. I'm no longer sharing any other links for Jeremiah other than title. Um, I don't use title though, so I'm still going to use all the other ways that I stream your stuff. <laughs> well, it's expensive. It's expensive. Uh, it's it's the most expensive streaming platform, and that's because of the quality. But I'm not sure people really want that quality uh, because it takes up a lot of data, and it's not really necessary because people usually listen to music in just regular earbuds or AirPods. So I don't I don't see them sticking around for very much longer unless they figure out something else out but spotify is always a good option i love spotify i think they are incredible excellent so everybody check it out on spotify jeremiah i thank you for your time we've got a whole bunch of other segments to get you in on but we know your time's very valuable so we're gonna let you go for now and thank you as always my man thanks colin i appreciate it we'll do it again have a good one peace <laughs>